0: Hello and welcome to Scientifically Speaking, Cornell University's educational science talk show. Yo, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So we are recording in a recording studio for the first time. as Our first opposed ever to, not live show. It's going to be not live. And it's what's great is that um, like, I just laughed really loudly, and normally that would totally like absolutely destroy our audio quality. Yeah, and everybody listening would be like,
1: oh, god.
2: I quit. I, I have no listeners.
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but but I guess we all have it down. It's gonna you be took great. Took the joke right out of my yeah. face. It's fine. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> to get the jokes before you do. <laughs> so today, on the note of sound quality, we're going to be talking about music. Did we plan that? Music? The science? No. No. of music? We're not that smart. That means we've covered sex, we've covered drugs, <laughs> we've covered alcohol, and now we're covering rock and roll. It's it's the quad vecta. Literally, that's how we decided to do music. Yep. We were like, guys, what are the best shows that we've done? That and joke has been like, planned well, for weeks. Sex, marijuana, alcohol. We've done sex and drugs. We just do rock and roll. And everyone's like, ha ha, rock and roll. And, and then Shane like, goes, what if we do music? What if we actually did that? <laughs> and then we, we did do, and
2: then, well, then we, we, did we are dude. And do. now yeah, here we
0: is. Um, we also have a special <laughs> guest today. <gasps> Uh, the special guest is my research professor and good friend, Doug Turnbull. Professor Doug Turnbull from yes, Ithaca College. Thank
3: you, thank you. I st- I still don't think I should be here. <laughs> <laughs> I, like he's sort I like the format of, the way it is. He's sort of being forced anything. here against his will. Having yeah, guests okay. is always good, though, because Shane yeah.
0: would have been gone forever, and so this helps us, like keep the show in balance, really? I guess. so. Although, here. Yeah. yeah, we
2: don't, we didn't have guests. guest, he's right here. <laughs> I'm
0: still here. We that was the solution prior to the fact. We had was... two
2: solutions and used them both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> keep Shane and bring guests on, which is fine, I love that. Um, and besides, the execs told us to get more guests anyway, so I feel like. Yeah. That's fair. But I don't we'll know if they're talking to us.
2: They were talking to literally everyone. It was okay, a blanket statement to us. all this radio shows.
0: Statement. So, let's start. Because now we're like, five You're pointing at me, I'm not what what do you want me to do? What I don't I know, doing? dude. How Say music. Oh, music. Whoa. <laughs> what's that? Wait, wait. wait. What <laughs> what is music?
2: <laughs> sure, we can do with that. Oh god, it's so bad. <laughs> anyway, alright. So okay. What is music? Think about that for just one second. Trying to find it in your heads. Okay, that's enough thinking. <laughs> um,
0: because this is not a live show, we can actually edit in a longer pause there. <laughs> True. If we want to We can make it shorter. Yeah. Because and make it I funnier. Like that it That'd be actually yeah, yeah that would comedic be timing. Yeah. Be perfect. Uh,
2: artificial comedic timing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is, is artificial comedic timing still comedic timing, yes. is, that, sure. is that how that works? It makes people laugh. That's what I like know. it.
2: Okay. Oh, that's sort of interesting because what is music? It's sort of, like, whatever someone feels like is music. (laughs) What was that (laughs) fun definition? Yeah, okay, so let's go through this. So one of the first definitions we came across was music is organized sound, which immediately we were like, yeah, yeah, oh, that totally does it. And then it's like, hold on a second. Speech is organized sound. (laughs) Uh, A repetitive machine noise is organized sound. Repetitive
0: machine noise, new band name. (sighs) really shitty edm <laughs> industrial <laughs> metal <laughs> which is like literally that
2: <laughs> um
0: so, there's about so genres many genres in metal. Too. yeah we are yeah. We yes.
2: there's oh man we have nuts. a
0: we have a subsection just on metal genres that's incredible yeah, we that we would have <laughs> which is to because there's a bajillion of them
2: <laughs> all right so we figured out that organized sound Best sound that is too broad of a definition right so we found another one this is the concise oxford dictionary <laughs> the art of combining vocal and or instrumental sounds, all right, that's a good start, to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. So the the problem here is that that. it turns out that that's a bit too narrow. How? Not all music has beauty,
0: form, harmony, or emotion. Okay, well to be fair, I feel like beauty and emotion are completely subjective. They are. Which is the problem, (laughs) I would assume. I'm, I'm pretty sure there are some people whom you could show industrial death metal to that would not find it beautiful or emotional. But I wouldn't argue that it's because it's obviously me. I know. And I wouldn't this find isn't that fair. beautiful or emotional. I know. But I wouldn't say it's not music as long as somebody can find beauty or musical. Right. And what? then it's too broad because somebody could find yes. beauty or emotionality in like an audio recording of a guy taking a crap in the stall next to you.
2: Yes. And in fact, that probably exists as music.
0: <laughs> also, it ends up being <laughs> the definition. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay.
2: So, there, this is a musicologist who's basically saying uh, the border between music and noise is culturally defined. So
0: That means nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, okay. But it might be as good as we can get.
2: So <laughs> so another person says this guy's Luciano Barrio, nineteen eighty five. I don't know who this guy is. Who not cares? Say that, right? Luciano, yeah, whatever. <laughs> music is everything that one listens to with the intention of listening to music. <laughs>
0: Ergo, some guy crapping in the stall next to you. That's hilarious. As long as
2: you are listening to it for the purpose of listening to music.
0: Yeah. Which, honestly, I think might be the... I mean, it's the worst definition, but it also might be the best definition.
2: It's definitely the best definition, but it's one of the least useful.
0: (laughs) Because it doesn't tell you anything about anything in an objective way. Yes. It literally is... But it also makes me not feel bad for listening to dial-up tones, like, as music. Right. Right. Because you do that all the time. Yes, you're a psycho. Mm. Yeah, he's got a
2: dial up (laughs) computer in his room. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Ah, uh, I mean, there's YouTube videos. I guess so. Guaranteed. In fact, I've I've looked. looked uh, Yeah, me too. Why? Have you ever poked a cat with a stick?
0: (laughs) Same noises. I don't believe (laughs) you. Literally identical. He's the only one here with cat. That's true. Well, no, he lives with a cat. It's a very at quiet cat. Turtle is uh, very We should not say that live. Let's edit that part out, actually. Um, Landlord, if you're listening, we do definitely don't have a cat oh, in our we house. we don't have a cat in our house. Oh, that's not true anymore. Someone has a cat in our house. <laughs> we don't. We, we personally don't yeah. have a cat. <laughs> we'll decide later whether we should do that. Okay. Our cast name is definitely not Turtle and is definitely
2: not adorable as all hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Another funny thing about music, so the word music, right? When we say music, pretty much, you know, even though we don't have a working definition, everyone kind of knows what we're talking about. Um, For the most part, there's some exceptions. Like, there's this one guy who wrote, is John Cage, I think. Um, I think it's called 433. All it is is some guy gets up on stage, indicates that a movement has started, like a movement being a piece of section of music, and then just sits there and then indicates when the movement has ended. There are three movements. <laughs> During movements, nothing happens.
0: Well, the musician on stage does not perform, does not make any sound with his instrument.
2: All that, ambient sound that's, that occurs... That's not,
0: you can't... That's not... What? It is the <laughs> you all... can't call yourself a musician. That's ridiculous. Well, he's not calling himself a musician. He's yeah. actually calling himself a conductor. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's closer. So all ambient
2: sound in the room... Cough, for example.
0: <laughs> so Miss Belvedere in the third row with a cold, yeah, is now part of the show. She is the show. She probably. is the <laughs> show.
2: <laughs> so that's, I mean, you may not. That's kind of outside of the scope of most people's consideration of music, but for the most part, we, you know, say music, you're like, oh yeah, those songs I listen to, Although whatever. a
0: surprisingly large number of people show up to watch him do this. It has, yeah,
2: it's very <laughs> disturbing. How <laughs> many
0: people show up to sit? I mean, he fills in concert hall. Empty concert hall. Well, it's not empty. He fills them. It's filled with well, people. Then, but it's, there's no one on stage. No, 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 there, there is a on person stage. on stage. Also, also, in, in fact, what? even better than that is that it's not always just him sitting at a piano. Lots of times, it's a full symphony orchestra <laughs> just sitting there. Yes. yes. That's incredible. <laughs> This sounds like this guy, like, invented the best ironic idea ever and totally went with it. And people just bought it. And people just bought it, which is amazing. But uh, there are other
2: languages where um, there really isn't a word.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute. Boom. Uh, <laughs> there are other languages. Can we, can we add in? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Hi-hat, and a snare. We're going to forget to do all of these <laughs> things. What's funny is that even if we remember to do it, it's going to happen, and then after we're going to ask to remember to add it in, and it's going to not make much sense Jesus to our viewers. Christ. That's fine. i right. after.
2: I mean, that happens all the time when people make videos. Um, so other cultures, other languages, don't have a word that means music in the same way that we mean music. Uh, for example what do you mean? the Aztecs had separate music. words for sung expressions, so just anything that's singing really. And then they had an entirely separate word for a combination of music and verbal poetry and some nonverbal stuff. So kind of like a an amalgamation of different performing arts. So they had one the word, word.
0: Song, instrumental, and song? Well, I don't they had what? they had like the
2: word they have a word that more or less means singing, ex- singing piece of music, and another word that means per art performance that may or may not
0: involve music. So does the singing is a subset of the other word? Or are they, um, they're, se- separate. they're separate. Separate. Okay, yeah. So it's like singing and then music that's not singing. Well,
2: well it's not music, really music slash like, verbal poetry slash nonverbal things was what I... Okay, uh, so, so like
0: performing art. So it's yeah. like it's singing and then performing arts that aren't uh, singing.
2: But they don't have a word for like the combination of Singing some of those and instrumentation int- yeah it's not like
0: mu- that's music it's right, super not, weird also right. side question what instruments did the aztecs play i i'm not setting up a joke i really am interested <laughs> i think that was your job <laughs> yeah. uh yes it was it was mostly drums that makes sense yep. that seems like the easiest thing to make and play you just hit them that's true
2: <laughs> do we want to go to uh history of musical instruments or do we want to move on to
0: I think we're not there yet. How let's, does sound do? Let's do. How does sound do?
2: Okay. How so you might do. be wondering if you somehow missed our wonderful episode on perception,
0: which um, you should go listen to. Sensation. One Sensation. of our yeah, one yeah. of our yeah. least listened to shows, I think. <laughs> on the list of shows, I like sound. Really I know show. me too, but everyone likes sex. Sex sells, yeah, you know. I mean, it does. <sighs> so. Literally, the most listened to shows we have are sex, drugs, and alcohol. Also, I for sure caught our sex episode when it was at 69 listens, and I giggled a lot. Damn straight. <laughs> I'd
2: be upset if you didn't. <laughs> so the way that we perceive sound is pressure waves in the air. So air is composed of a bunch of little molecules floating about, just having a good time. You're breathing um, them in, you breathe them out. Yep. Anytime you make a sound, air flows through your vocal cords, vibrates them, jiggles the air, creates a pressure wave, jiggles the inside of someone's eardrum, which moves some bones, goes into a canal and all kinds of stuff happens basically your brain interprets... So, for the
0: record, any time that you feel like you really wish that you could communicate with somebody by sending waves directly from your brain to their head, remember that that's literally the way speaking works. You are already (laughs) doing that.
2: (laughs) That's pretty dope. (laughs) So, you know, a musical instrument will make music, or sound rather, in the same way that speaking happens. You know, maybe if you have... um, a stringed instrument. The string vibrates and smacks the air back and forth.
0: What? Who the hell has a guitar? <laughs> Turns out our special <laughs> guest is actually just a guitar. We <laughs> <I> turned Doug <down laughs> into a, <laughs> a guitar.
2: You can also have, you know, an instrument like a flute or something, which is more or less just a tube with holes in it, and you blow some air into it, vibrates columns of air inside, you get pressure waves. And sound happens.
0: Also, people are pretty much just tubes with holes in them. (laughs) Yes, that's... Hmm. It's definitely how your vocal tract works. Yes. It's definitely how your entire body forms. <laughs> Rheological development starts with a ball that has a gets a hole. How day. many
2: times have we talked about that? I know. Not
0: I At least three shows. Yeah. Much, cool. This is at least the third show we brought it up. Okay. Well, I mean it's irrelevant
3: it's here, so let's go back to music. So, so you haven't gotten to the drums yet, which are, true. are um, percussive. You know, percussive yeah. have canvas that vibrates, which is another form of a bodily. Song. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's true. <laughs>
3: Wow, that sounded really nice.
0: (laughs) It did, but you definitely hit yourself really hard. hard (laughs) Yeah,
2: my skin stings a little bit. All right, so now maybe a question is, so all these things are sound waves, right? How in the hell do you tell apart... Like a drum and a flute if they're just smacking sound, way, like smacking air molecules what? about. What do
0: you mean? They're really easy to tell apart. A drum sounds like boom and a flute <laughs> sounds like wheep. So, okay. <laughs> I can totally, totally tell. Point. Point. I, I, know, I know what they sound what like. What if
2: those two instruments were at the exact
0: same pitch? What's well, pitch? Here's a good because, example. Yeah. Ready? Dave, sing this note. Uh, but so everyone in the room could tell other than... Okay, everyone listening who can't see the fact that I just plucked a guitar and Dave sang a note could tell the difference between the guitar pluck and Dave singing a note. But we're singing the same note, me and the guitar. And we're you're about the same, same loudness, right too. To yes.
2: So it's more or less the same, right?
0: Wait, so how... Wait, that's really weird. How do we tell apart different instruments?
2: A little thing called timbre. Which, unfortunately,
0: is not spelled anything nope. like the way you would expect it to be
2: T-I-M-B-R-E.
0: God damn the French... <laughs>
2: Was it them? Probably, yeah. It sounds French to me. (laughs) Also,
0: just damn them in general. I don't care. Even if it's irrelevant. Seems racist. It's not racist. It's nationalist. It's xenophobic. xenophobic. Mm. It's weird that nationalist ethnicist doesn't have this. No. Because nationalist is something else. Nationalist. Nationalist. I I like that. You're getting worse. (laughs) Nashville Tennessee. Let's go back to the thingy now. What were we? What is this
2: timbre thing? So we haven't really figured it out. What? We have yeah. some ideas. We've got some parts of it down. Some smart musicy people have figured out yeah. sort of how we tell the difference apart, but we don't have. We haven't figured it all out. <laughs> so what do we know? so, one he's got this one guy shouting listed. <sighs> <sighs>
0: That That's fucking amazing. amazing. So I actually, so wonderful. Zach has Shouten fella, and I literally thought he was referring to a person who was on <laughs> a video of yelling. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so the
2: Shouten fella uh, he's got five um, different aspects of a sound that can help us to differentiate between various sources. Um, his first is the range between tonal and noise like color.
0: Uh, that didn't make any sense to me, me what you're saying. <laughs> so,
2: when I read that, I was like, What? And then Shane was like, Bruh, tonal is <laughs> like a tone, you know, like a, a note. So,
0: That's a tone. Yep. Okay. Yes.
2: And then there's noise like, which is more like a drum. <laughs> right? Didn't seem yeah. to have any specific note that it was playing, it was just kind of like a, a, thunk, a thunk. Like, not even. Yeah.
0: So there's there's like the nice component of, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but for the most part, you don't have to tune a drum set. You do actually have yeah, to tune a drum set, but... We'll pretend that it's not really a big deal. Basically, the idea that... have to though, tune a drum set? Yeah, I yeah. well, What? Because noise-like things aren't completely noise-like. They're a little bit tonal. Uh, but um, but so But so, like steel what Steel drums, though, are very tonal. Oh, yeah, yes. true. Yeah. Um, um, steel steel drums, drums are awesome. My dad got a steel drum when he went to um, Antigua we when he was a kid. <gasps> steel They're drums so cool. a little bit later oh, with sorry. regards to... No, it's okay, with regards to intervals and scales because there's some really interesting stuff going on there. Why didn't we all bring a musical instrument? Yeah, we should have done that. Well, you guys have your bodies. We should have done
3: this in my basement
0: you have a ton of yeah. instruments yeah. that would have been better um, so, but what I was saying was uh, what's the, with part of the way that you can identify the difference between a tonal and a noise like instrument would be so drums you can just you play the drum set like you tune it once before this you play the drum set for five different songs all in different keys sounds fine because sure. the drum set doesn't make any real tones it Just goes. Ba-dum. percussive sounds tend to be not tonal Whereas if you were to just like tune a guitar and play all play one scale over and over again for songs in different keys, it so would start scale. sounding really awful. Assume we'll zero knowledge. Later. I know. So all basically, right. what you're saying is when <laughs> this you was call something being unhelpful. <laughs> yeah. What you're saying <laughs> you is when you call it. something tonal, you're saying that it makes like a, what we normally think of as like a musical, musical sound rather than. Noise like would be percussive, like a thud. Yep. Or yep. a tap. And actually, mm-hmm. if you look at
3: it, uh, tonal is one, you know, concentrated frequency or set of frequencies. Whereas a percussive noise is a, what we call broadband. So it's like all frequencies simultaneously. Uh-oh. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Ooh, interesting. So nothing
0: specific sticks out, and you mm-hmm. kind of just get a. Pfft.
3: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Cool. That's like the
0: partials that we were talking about in between. That's oh, what I was explaining yo, partials to you. Yeah. Which we can talk about right now. Do it well get oh, into harmonics first. oh yeah
2: so <laughs> the next aspect number 2 so is... the next
0: aspect of tim timbre timbre okay timbre
2: is the spectral envelope that sounds really... Spectral
0: envelope, new band name. I'm kidding, this is going to be a good that episode That seems like band more Nets. obvious than you think it is yeah. because it's literally a feature of sound. Yeah, but most people don't know that. Okay, what, it, like what, it, what it sounds mind, like yeah. is how ghosts deliver
2: mail, but... um, <laughs> <gasps> Mail ghost, yeah, okay. better band name. <laughs> Gee, I did not know where he was going to go with that. <laughs> uh, uh, so the spectral envelope is sort of the um, balance in the amplitudes of various harmonics and overtones. So what does that mean? <laughs> what are you saying? So when I say balance, I mean uh, the relative loudnesses of yeah. each well, of ampli- these. Yeah, ampl- sure. yeah, so amplitude more or less is the sound intensity. Well, amplitude squared is intensity, but whatever. <laughs> we um, think of them as the yeah, same. They're pretty much the same. They're proportional. So, well, yeah. Okay.
0: All right, take they're it easy, same. science man. <laughs> so um,
2: the main sound of a tone that lets us define what note it is is the fundamental frequency. It's the... Run, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, so so the pitch that you identify. So, for example, these two notes have different pitches. And the way that what? The
2: waveforms on... I'm okay. okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, running Audacity right here to record this, and the waveforms of the guitar are significantly different than our vocal...
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Things, which yeah, was just which cool. Is cool. So those, is, two different those two, those right? two notes have different pitches, right. which means what they about have, their frequencies? So yeah, right. So the first one was a B, and a B has some frequency that I should have looked up before I said B. Uh,
2: yeah, well, it's probably <laughs> like in the five hundred or yeah, something area.
0: And the second one was a C, and what that means is that they're vibrating the air around them at different frequencies, at different rates. Right? This C, which is a higher pitch, uh, vibrates the air around it at a higher rate. And the reason it does that, for those of you that can't see my guitar, is that I'm putting my finger down to shorten the string. You get a shorter string, it vibrates more quickly. That makes sense. It's like when you play to the slinky, and if you... Go. The Problem is that you're right, but the thing you're about to say is not going to be helpful to anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah, this, this is an intensely visual thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, go play with a slinky and see what happens when you wiggle it up and down, close <laughs> and then or far it away. Out. Yeah. Okay, Zach, go.
2: <laughs> so, um, in addition to the fundamental frequency, there are also a number of harmonics in each sound, um, and so these are higher frequencies of the same note. So higher is...
0: frequencies of the same note. So this is pretty interesting. It's a harmonic. Yes. So what a harmonic is, basically, so picture a string vibrating up and down, right? So basically what's happening is the two ends of the string are fixed. One, They're both tied to the guitar, right? And the middle of the string is moving up and down at some frequency. In In its moving up and down, it is pushing the air on either side of the string up and down with it. Sure. What happens is, as it moves up, it pushes some air up, that air bounces off the air on top of it and comes back down. As it comes back down, the string hits it again. The result is the string cancels out and creates new waves that are at higher frequencies than just the frequency of the string moving up and down itself. And
2: also you can imagine that when you pick a guitar string, you haven't perfectly bent the whole string into exactly the correct curve to follow a certain frequency you smack it with a little pointy thing at one point along the string and literally pull the string and then release it so there's some wonky stuff going on with right. how that impacts how the string right moves. so
0: basically yeah so basically what that would mean is that it might not be the case that all of the higher frequencies or harmonics as we're calling them now, uh, are going to be of the same amplitude, are going to be the same loudness. Some of them will be louder than others. So I'm still having a bit of trouble understanding this harmonic thing. <laughs> that's fair. That was a little, <laughs> little much. So, pluck a string, yes. and it vibrates at some frequency. I got that. And that makes perfect sense, obviously. But then, how are you getting these other frequencies? You're bouncing off air? And, and that's so. But so, just to like try to go through one more time so that hopefully Dave can understand. Um, basically, Dave, Dave being the audience. Dave being also all of you. Audience surrogate. <laughs> um, so the idea is, um, so again, the string is moving up and down. The reason you hear anything mm-hmm. is because that string is like ramming into little particles of air and making those particles of air ram into other particles of air. Which eventually hit that your eardrum. Right, air. creates a, a pulsing wave that hits your eardrum and then our brains can interpret that as some sound. Which would be perfect if, when you hit the air, it bounced into other air particles and then stopped. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. When it bounces into the air particles in front of it, it comes back. Mm -hmm. Then your string hits it again. And what ends up happening is some of the air particles Will be will uh, because of because of that bouncing back and forth. Uh-huh. You end up with particles that are vibrating at 440 hertz, but also at twice that speed because they're bouncing forward and then bouncing back and getting hit again. Oh, so they're and bouncing then, up and then getting smacked again. So it's yes. like and then some of those some of those particles that are moving twice that speed again move forward, hit the particles in front of them, come back and get hit so they're moving at three times that speed. So when you play a C, for example, that's at some frequency. Correct. And then as you play that, there are some other frequencies that are happening based on doubling or tripling the speed of the original frequency because, because different air molecules are getting are hit multiple times. Getting hit multiple times. Good. That is weird. Okay, I yes. think I understand. I think that's still pretty... It's a little weird mostly because you what you hear when I play this note is one note. Yeah. That's how your brain interprets what I'm playing. Yes. It's strange because the reality is your ear is getting hit with multiple waves of multiple different frequencies. How does our brain only tell, say that it's one? Why does it go, oh no, you're only listening to one thing. <laughs>
2: well, there is, so there is a dominant frequency, um, which is the one you hear the most, uh, which so ends up being example, the one hear. For example, those harmonics
0: tend to be like, do they tend to be quieter do they right need to be so it depends on that, the instrument right or the yeah that's and how that's, we tell so that's, that's why exactly. timbre is a thing because well, it's part, part of it. why well, part yes. of why timbre is oh yeah. see it's all coming together yeah. now
2: and so the spectral envelope is literally like you know you have a plot of Still
0: a really cool amplitude
2: phrase. versus frequency mm. and it's just a curve that follows the tops of all the like the peaks peaks, the peaks of each um, frequency that you can hear right So, so
0: some of them will be louder, some of them will be quieter. The dominant one is the loudest one, which is not always the fundamental one. Okay. What's super cool and weird is that if you play the harmonic series, right, the harmonics of a note, and you cancel out the fundamental frequency, Uh your brain still goes, I'm listening to the fundamental frequency, because there's only one frequency that could create that harmonic series. Of course. So and if so, you're getting only so all, 880s and 1320s, you're like, oh, this has got to be a 440. 440. exactly. Weird. Yes. Now, question. And Yes. I'm not going to say answer because I'm our sure I have one. brains, like, is that a learned thing? Do we sort of figure out that, like, well, it's if it's really an 880 and a 1320, it means we're listening to 440? Or is it some inherent property of those harmonic frequencies so, that we know what the fundamental frequency is, that they make the fundamental frequency somehow. In nature, it most likely doesn't exist that you would find a harmonic series without a fundamental frequency. The harmonic series always implies the fundamental frequency. What's interesting is, so I think the answer to your question, Dave, and I don't know if Doug knows more, I think the answer is that it's learned. and, And the way it's learned is really cool. Basically, Things that occur in phase, Uh which in this case means that the peaks of these frequencies that we're talking about are lined up perfectly, Uh your brain interprets as one sound. Things that are out of phase, your brain interprets as multiple sounds. Okay. So even if I play the same note, you can tell that there are two strings playing right now. Yeah. And it's because I didn't pluck them at exactly the same time. Gotcha. And so they're not in phase. They didn't start at the same time. So So basically, when you're looking at the waves thing, they're not going at the same. Exactly. If they were going like up and down at the same rate, then you say they're at the same rate. They're at the same rate. Or sorry, not at the exact same time. exactly, right. And so. They have peaks and and valleys at the same time. That occurs at the time. Right, phase line. That occurs with the harmonic series as well. And so the harmonic series are all in phase. Which makes sense. If they're going at different frequencies, they're not always going to line up as. Peaks and troughs. Yeah, exactly, of a wave. Which is like looking at a wave. Yep. A peak is the top, and a trough is the bottom. For those of you who don't know anything about waves, which is pretty valid. Unless <laughs> you
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we listen to our light episode, it's probably confused. Which don't, you. Which, <laughs> don't, don't listen to that one. We should just delete that. If, if you have shameful. to skip
0: an episode of our show, you'd it's make that it that one. one. <laughs> I know it's just so hard. It's yeah. really complicated. Anyway, anyway. we should
2: have just gotten someone who knew what they were talking about. Um, like, that's that's true. True. yes. <laughs> so the third one is real easy: the time envelope. This is literally amplitude versus time. How loud does a thing get? I'm just how...
0: somebody being mailed a watch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we're back to the puns.
0: <laughs> Will we ever not be back to puns? No, not while you're here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
2: Uh, literally, this is like how loud does it get, how fast, and how long does it take it to get not loud anymore?
1: Woo-hoo,
2: so okay, like, so playing
0: a, like playing a note on a card that goes boom, boom and goes for a while? Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's the difference. Whereas playing a, like, I don't know what instrument. I don't know if I can make this happen loudly enough that it can be heard and also not have much of an attack, but. Nope. There's no way you heard that. There's no basically, <laughs> um, so Basically, so uh, basically the attack, the beginning part, is the way that the sound is started. So it's for interesting a interesting because our class wines uses the same lingo for the very beginning taste of a wine. Yep. The yeah. attack. That's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Also, um, wines I mean, is sounds. mostly bullshit for sure. <laughs> like for sure. After do you taste? Dude, uh, what do you taste? This? Nothing. Do you
2: taste melons? Oh yeah, I taste melons.
0: Ninety nine percent placebo. Um, but so the attack on a guitar string is the pluck. So let's see if I can make just the pluck happen. That sounds terrible, eh. but yeah, but you're holding the guitar string so it doesn't. You get yep. in a pluck and then immediately stopping right. it from right. vibrate. And if I sure. had brought my e-bow, which would be cool, but so a what? Ebow, an electronic bow. But you so think have? of no, but that yeah, doesn't know really what cool. is a bow. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So so think of a bowed instrument, right? Like a violin uh-huh. is a bowed instrument. So that instrument basically has no attack. Mm. The string starts vibrating as you start moving the bow across, and it goes right into the sinusoidal back and forth without any of the percussive attack at the beginning. Okay. Right? Um, just The thing that I mentioned earlier in e is just a little mag- magnetic resonator that you put on top of a string on a guitar and makes it sound like uh-huh. a bowed instrument that for the same reason. That
2: is weird as hell. It's really
0: cool. <laughs> um, they're very fun. Uh, because then it sounds like you're playing a violin instead of a guitar even though it's a guitar. Um and so anyway, so but that that is that's the idea of attack. Um and then what so what are the what, okay, are, the, what are the other components of so time on the So decay decay is is the the tail end of the attack, right? So how quickly like so there's usually what happens is when you have attack there's a percussive sound. Uh-huh. And the like we talked about before percussive sounds are caused by all of the frequencies being activated by a, by an instrument, right? So when you play a percussive instrument, there is no fundamental frequency. It's just all of them at once. If it was purely percussive, yeah. yes. Which is absolutely. why it sounds like a thud instead right. of any sort of like one note that yep. you're hearing. So on a, on a guitar, though, the, the pluck is very fast, right? It quickly turns into a sinusoidal sure. sounding thing. Sinusoidal so, meaning wavy. Right, yeah. <sighs> so I'm pure, not. like a pure note, right? And so uh, the decay is how quickly the noise-like aspects, the percussive aspects, go away. Oh, okay. It's how quickly it turns from the pluck into the more pure tone. The next component is sustain, which is how long that note stays at roughly the same amplitude. Uh Which is loudness. Right. Right. right, Pretty much here. And then release is the tail end as it drifts off to silence. Gotcha. That is ADSR, attack, decay, sustain, release. It's called either a time envelope or an ADSR It envelope. also sounds like some sort of sports term. Like... What was ASDR? Um, uh, <laughs> American <laughs> Stock Dog Rescue yeah, or
2: something like that. It was, yeah, it was, it was it. How the hell did you... The American Stock Dog Registry. How
0: the Registry. Shit, did you remember that? Yeah. I, uh, Zach accidentally I Googled, Googled ASDR, ASDR. <laughs> last night instead of ADSR. I was very confused. So number
2: four... Um, I just uh, kind of. Okay, so changes of spectral envelope, such as formant glide and fundamental frequencies, wow. such as microintonation.
0: I don't. You're not. That's this not is not a, potentially. <sighs> it's, how the, it's how the spectral envelope changes over time. So we talked about the spectral envelope, which is the, basically the different amplitudes of the different harmonics in the harmonic series that doesn't have to stay consistent. Right, so so the 440 could stay longer than the
3: 880. For higher, example. I said, louder, longer. Think it is, think it is a, of a bar graph that changes, like a graphic equalizer when you watch music. Oh, okay. In the old 80s. Oh, yes, when you have like the old 80s boomboxes with a graphic equalizer, and you yeah. uh, <laughs> and you. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling uh, to speak yeah, no, up here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just listening. It's I know it's good. No, you're good. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, those change over time during the attack. You know, decays the same. Right. You know, gotcha. These. Yeah. Exactly. So that's
0: that's what uh, formant glide is in this case. Kendo number five. So
2: number five is the prefix or onset of a sound, as opposed to the ensuing lasting vibration. <laughs> so, so this is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that is a hundred percent in a comic commercial. And I have <laughs> exact uh, words, I, in I, that order, a hundred percent. wrote 100%. After,
2: after ensuing lasting vibration, it just says, wink, wink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because we all realized it. Um, because we are all 13.
2: <laughs> so this is, again, this is just the, the, the pick on the string versus the actual note the string is producing versus a violin, which doesn't have that picking sound. It just has kind of a smooth right. introduction right. into the uh, vibration. How is that
0: different from a tack? So, uh, so in in the case of the time envelope, all we care about is the length of time of each component, right? So how long does the attack take? How long does the decay take? Uh huh. And with this fifth component, we're paying attention to specifically what does the attack sound like?
2: What uh, frequencies okay. are there? The prefix
0: is referring to both the attack and decay. Okay. Um, but it's it's asking instead of how long does it take. What's the difference between that and the resonating string afterward? Okay, that makes sense. So, quick recap. How we tell instruments apart. Number one is, is it percussive or is it like musical and like, ah, pure ah."
1: tone.
0: Um, Another one is whether the fundamental frequency, which is the main note of, not necessarily the loudest note, but the main note of whatever you're playing, Versus the, the one that you perceive. It's yes, the one perceive. that you perceive versus these other frequencies that pop up that are integer multiples of the frequency. There's also the time envelope, which is how long each part of the note that you played lasts, like the beginning, how long it goes for, how long it takes to drop off into silence. Yes. Um, then there's This one, which is a little more complicated, I'm gonna skip and come back to it in a second. It's just changes to number two. number two is the spectral envelope. So changes to those frequencies. Number four is just how that changes over time.
2: So you have a, you know, like Doug said, the bar graph, you know, they say you have five frequencies, just imagine a bar graph with five uh, marks on the x-axis and they have, you know, imagine it's like, it looks like a pyramid, right? The two peaks on the extreme ends are the lowest and it increases and the middle one's the highest, right? Maybe it starts that way and the middle one drops down to below the earlier ones, and they don't gotcha. really change very much. Now the spectral envelope has changed, and so the, it sounds different. Okay.
0: okay. An example of this that you'll be able to hear that you could that you could identify would be like a wah wah pedal. The mm. the spectral envelope of a wah pedal. It sounds like wow, 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 wow. It's really easy to do formant glides with your mouth because <laughs> oh, okay. all you have to do is change the shape of your mouth. So even though you're um, making the same note, it's going wow, wow, wow. So it's and making so, different sounds. Yep. So it's oh. so you can <laughs> identify I I know different timbres either. over the course of a single note. That would be formant glide. Gotcha. And then the last one is just how does it sound at the beginning? What, what does the attack of the note sound like compared so, it to the rest of it? Yep. So. All of those things together, plus probably other things you yep, said, maybe, yeah. is how we generally <laughs> tell instruments apart. Even if, you know, a violin, a piano, and a zither play the same. The only reason I know that word is from, like, computer games when I was six that had alphab- every a word for every letter of the alphabet, and Z was always zither, and I was like, what the fuck is a zither?
3: <laughs> Turns out it's just a stringed you instrument. Know, there's one that I kind of thought I was going to hear here, because uh, which is uh, there are instruments that are... Polyphonic and mon- monophonic, so horns sure. are mostly one, one frequency or harmonic of uh, those frequencies. Whereas, whereas you play your, your guitar, one string makes the other strings vibrate. Right. And so, like that, so it's like interference, and maybe that's part of like scales and chords, but which we'll talk about. But, right. But that is something that I think is like you know a horn from a stringed instrument because of the sort of vibration. True. It, that's think, a good so. point. So, uh, for I, example, I numbers, number six, yeah, <laughs> a trumpet
0: can only make one noise, whereas a guitar is going to have interference from the other strings nearby, just based yeah, on basis not of how being, it's made.
3: Even if they're not being plucked, yeah, the yeah. Resonant. Body Unless
0: you're actively those muting them. Yeah. yeah, totally. Interesting. Okay. Agreed. Sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next line of our notes, Zach, can you please read that word for word? <laughs>
2: Shane, talk about why you can tell two <laughs> the same trumpet <laughs> apart.
0: Likely we already talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I used guitar strings instead, which is so, better. There's a
2: that's everything, but it's not everything. So that's all we have about timbre. Doesn't take the whole picture, but it gives you a pretty good idea.
0: The, the um, reason we know it's not everything is because if you learn all of those things about, say, a trumpet, and then you tell a computer to create All of those things exactly the same way as the trumpet did, it still doesn't sound exactly like a trumpet. So there's some component we're missing. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's why if you hear like a midi trumpet versus like yeah. a real trumpet, yeah, exactly. you're like, that's, that's midi. Yes, oh, there's something that we're not doing cool. that we're missing. Yeah, so
3: there's, in music production, there's synthesis, which is like trying to model it with physics, and then there's wave bank, which is basically recording right. a real trumpet, and then, you know, uh, using those sort of samples to make it, yeah. and samples almost always sound better. Yeah, exactly. Of course scales so <laughs> scales
0: um lizards have those
3: yeah so um so birds technically i guess we
0: should talk actually first about intervals okay so an interval is uh it's the same as like an interval on a number line is the distance between the two numbers on the line
2: what? i know how numbers work
0: <laughs> Why? I, am, I am a science two <laughs> in in um, eight in, uh, in sound Um, we talk about intervals as the difference between two frequencies being played. Okay. So the interval between 200 hertz and 300 hertz 100 hertz!
2: There you go. Ah, I did
0: it. So so there are different kinds of intervals, and they all have names, and the names tend to refer to the scale that they are a part of, which I'll explain in a second. Um, But basically, um, what's very weird... About intervals. So here's an example of an interval. That's called a perfect fifth. I was gonna say I recognize that. Sounds like a power chord. The only chord (laughs) Zach plays. (laughs) (laughs) This Um, is true. So um, so that's that's a perfect fifth, and it has uh, the the ratio between. They're actually so the intervals are actually defined in in ratios as. as opposed to like pure differences. And there's some reasons for that. Basically the way you perceive sound, which we talked about in our sensation uh, episode is logarithmically. You perceive pitch or frequency logarithmically. Um, So that means that something that is at 440 Hertz compared to something at 880 Hertz that is one interval that you perceive whereas something at like 880 hertz to 6, uh, 17, 17 20, there you yeah. go yeah. Uh, is, is sounds like 17, the same 60. interval, 1760 oh, sounds like the so same interval. So because it's both just double the first double. one, right. our brains don't go okay it's exactly 440 right. or 880 right. freak, uh, hertz apart, right. it's saying it's it's double the other one. It's double yep. the other one. Interesting. Yeah. That's super so, weird. So here's an example of that. So this is 1 E. Here's the next octave. And then the next octave. It sounds like there's the same amount of quote unquote distance between uh-huh. all of those three notes, but the the last yeah, one, one is do twice re as big. As the, he do away. Right. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So what happens is, let's talk about intervals really quick. So there are consonant and dissonant intervals, right? So the perfect fifth is an example of a consonant interval. It sounds really nice. Oh, I love it. It's very pleasant sounding, right? You sure. play um, that all day. <laughs> just that, just there's that. It's all, all, it's all I can play all day. <laughs> um, there's. There's oh also please, I've seen your Snapchat videos. There, you can shred, man. <laughs> there are also varying levels of, Thanks, of dissonant intervals, right? So, on my guitar, the, probably the most dissonant thing I can play is called a tritone. It tritone. sounds like this. <clears throat> oh. Pretty that, brutal. Um, that makes me really uncomfortable. Right. So, uh, if I were to detune one of my strings a little bit, that would be the best way to get dissonance would be to play two notes that are close to the same, but not. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so, so now, uh, so that's like a little bit about consonants and dissonance. And again, I'll talk about that in a second, a little bit more. Yeah, can you explain that a little better? Because that's, that's. Yeah. I was... So, so here's some interesting things about consonants and dissonance. So let's look at like a perfect fifth, right? Like I said. Um, when you so let's say i was playing something at 200 hertz and 300 hertz right okay. that would be a perfect fifth because the ratio is 2 to 3 that's what the ratio of a perfect fifth is um, what's interesting but it's not a fifth it's a it's 2 thirds. yeah it's because of 2 the plus 3 equals 5 <laughs> <laughs> it's not that <laughs> that is not <laughs> why it's called that i'll <laughs> we'll explain it in a second it's not important to this so cause so basically when when you hear that so again that's this Remember we talked about how if you were to hear a harmonic series, mm-hmm. you perceive the fundamental frequency? Yes. Well, what, f- what would be the fundamental frequency to a harmonic series containing 200 and 300 hertz? 100! There's yeah. a fundamental frequency there of 100 hertz, right? Because they're integer multiples of 100. Gotcha. And your so your brain, brain goes, okay, yeah. so that's 200 and 300. What, what possible thing is a factor of both of those two things? So you perceive Whoa. 100, 200, and 300 all is happening. Right? So even though only 200 and 300 are playing, your brain yes. goes, oh, 100 must be in there too. Right. What? Yeah. What? We, wow. We, that, wow, yeah. what? So that's an example of a consonant interval, right? Okay. You perceive... The 100, 200, and 300. That and, and is And the super math weird. luckily works out such that <clears throat> all of the other um, substitutions, so like then you would, oh, you're hearing 100, which interferes with the 200, but luckily that just creates another 100. And then you hear the 100 with the 300, which creates a 200, which is already there, so it's just those three, right? It's yep. weird because you have yeah. to imagine how the perceived note interferes with the actual notes. Because of that, when you hear something like a tritone, which I'll unfortunately play again, yeah, it physically hurts. <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting about a tritone? It makes you think here, like a bad guy's gonna come get me. <laughs> it's like, it's used extensively
2: in horror. Yeah, like right. video games too. It's like, yes. oh, there's a bad guy nearby. Yes. Or, yep. or bad
0: puns, right?
2: Usually. <laughs> Oh, we should have been <laughs> doing that, adding to our audience. Every time, every
0: time I make a <laughs> shitty pun, it's we just... We play like, a tritone. Um, so, so, so that has a frequency ratio of 7 to 5. So let's say we were playing notes at 700 and 500 hertz, right? Oh, The perceived tone still ends up being a 100. Yeah, I was going to say, right? that's the yeah. only thing that would be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also for various reasons due to like the, harm, the harmonics interacting, a 300 hertz tone that you So get. as things bounce around, you weirdly get a 300 popping in there. Yeah. So what that means is instead of listening to the really nice 100, 200, and 300, you get a 100, 300, 500, and 700, none of which can reconcile with each other, mm. which is part of the theory of why we think they're awful because um, <laughs> the 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 like perceived tones don't match up with the tones that are actually being played in any sort of nice way. Cool. Um, now let's talk about scales. Scale is like super vague. All it means is any set of notes ordered by pitch. Okay?
2: <laughs> it's just super vague. Yes. I thought it was a so little bit more. Here's divine. an example of I a scale that, that you
0: probably won't like.
2: It sounds like a child There's a murderer of behind me. <laughs> piano. It's 100% it a spider going like, to drop down on my face.
0: There's a reason for that. It's because it's all the notes in order, of skipping a couple. Um, so that's a scale, but this is also a scale. Just a little nicer to listen. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so um, in Western music, that's us, which is our music, traditionally. <laughs> Um, Western music consists of seven notes and a repeat of the octave. Right? So it's oct- Sing it, Dave. It's octatonic. Uh, do, what? re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Oh. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Yep. And.
2: Well, the and, eighth is the octave. So, yeah. So seven in the scale. Seven and eight. And then, is a oh, the okay. That makes sense. Because yeah. you That's say do so twice.
0: R- yep. But do and do are the same. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Repeat of the octave. So, again, we've said octave a few times now. The octave is the eighth note in a Western scale. That makes sense because octopuses have eight legs. Okay. And octagons have eight sides. (laughs) Good job, Dave. And octodads also have (laughs) eight legs. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Um, so, So the eighth note in the Western scale, which, again, like we were talking about before, we started an A at 440 hertz. The octave is an A at 880 hertz twice that. So every time you double a frequency, you get the next octave. Gotcha. What's interesting is the way that we developed the rest of the notes in this scale, roughly, is by using the harmonic series from a resonating string. Uh, explain. Um, so, the harmonic series is integer multiples of the, oh. st- the note that you're playing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Add all the way to infinity, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one and two make up the note and its octave. Four, eight, sixteen, also octaves, just higher octaves. Sure, that makes right? sense. Three is a perfect fifth. Okay. And the various other <laughs> ones that don't match up nearly as nicely, like nineteen is a minor third. Like the random other ones all match up to make the other components of this the Western major scale, or minor scale. So the notes that we use, the chromatic scale in Western music, which sounds like this. Sounds like a slimy fat man crawling. <laughs> slimy fat man crawling. I don't know. Um,
2: I didn't finish it. Like up a hill or whatever really sad. He's real sad. But he's making progress. He's <laughs> so losing like, weight as he goes up and drying
0: out and starting to stand up. Stop. Why are you so I don't know. Like I just, I'm really, there's a very understand. clear image of this. <laughs> it's weird. Um, so that's the chromatic scale, right? It's 12 notes. Okay. Um, and for some reason it's called colorful because they're colors because chroma is. Oh, colorful. because red, um, yellow, blue, green, orange, pink, up, purple, dang. brown, black. <laughs> that's black. okay. Well, that went poorly. <laughs> sepia um, <laughs> these are not in order anymore. <laughs> um, so Love. yeah, so so the chromatic Chart the chromatic tricks. scale ah. is the notes that we use. The major scale is a subset of those. Okay. Right, uh, and it's it's eight of them. The minor scale is a different subset, another eight of them. Different There's actually notes? a couple minor scales. Could you play uh, a major scale versus a minor scale? Maybe easier to show with chords. Possibly. Major chord. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm everything's
3: wonderful minor chord uh, Everything is really sad <laughs> right, that, now you can get kicked out of a music conservatory for saying that <laughs> <laughs> really Why? why because minor and the, the relationship between minor and sad and major and happy is one of those like very sticky topics yeah. that lay people tend to think of as a truism but in
0: fact lay people like Dave um, I'd be more offended yeah. if I wasn't literally the layman for this episode <laughs> well, um, wait a minute so why do we, why is that a common thing that people think that like, I mean, I, I don't know if this is learned or whatever, but I personally feel like major chord makes me like, oh, it it's seems learned. happy. It's probably like I learned that major chords are happy and minor chords are sad from some bullshit it's reason. As you learned it. But <laughs> why is that a thing? Why did that ever become a thing? Um, are they just associated with different types of songs? There's more dissonance in a minor scale than in a major scale. Okay. So that makes us like unhappier not like emotionally just sort you, of like
2: we should maybe talk about consonants and dissonance a little more in terms of like why we perceive things as that are dissonant it's like ah I don't like this
0: yeah that's great that'll be a perfect way to talk about this okay it's very much related you want to get to it or do you want to what, to did, it? Well, what, what did you have <laughs> it. um, so <laughs> it's it's very much related to what we were talking about before with the frequencies playing nice with each other okay so simpler Ratios of frequencies, we find consonant. Like the 1, 2, and 3. Exactly. Sure. More complex ratios. 7, 5, 2, 3. So say it's one, one, three 1, 3, 5, five seven. 7. 1, yeah. 3, 5, 7. Um, that don't add up nicely. That don't act as multiples of each other until, you know, you have to make really large numbers with the fractions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, those uh, we find dissonant. Right? Sure. Um, and you did some research.
2: Yeah. So um, the whole dissonance thing is maybe learned the distance being bad um, but also maybe not so um, human infants can tell consonant and dissonant things apart like within a few days of being born really? so at least
0: that difference between consonant and dissonant isn't learned?
2: Um, or I guess yeah right. we, hard, yeah we it be literally to... can tell them apart just by with yeah without learning it it just right you can you're like that's content, that's dissonant. like you somehow got a baby to understand definitions of words which would be <laughs> well, amazing yeah obviously um, but I, I <laughs> just they'd that, be like... able to yeah yes um so we can tell we them that? apart
3: did um, you guys do a whole show on babies yeah and we did things yes. so
2: they basically did something where they had two speakers right each one had like a bright light on it and so they'd shine this bright light and the baby like huh and then they'd play a dissonant sound and just time how long it took them to look away, and then do the same thing for the consonant one. Um, and then, uh, wait, I forget how they actually...
0: So they, so they had, um, when the babies looked at one light, they played a dissonant sound. When they looked at the other in the light, they played a consonant sound. Uh-huh. That was how they detected preference.
2: The, yeah, this was the one with their four-month-old infants, the, right. and it turned out they have a preference for consonants. Which means that they had four that months point. to, yeah. like, listen to nice music. They
0: actually had 13 months. Right. Because oh, yeah, you because hear we hear things and... in yeah. the womb, which is fucking crazy. You particularly hear your mother's voice, which mm-hmm. we talked about in our babies episode. Yeah. Go listen to and that one. That's a great show. You would assume that your mother is mostly singing lullabies, which are very consonant. And so you could very easily develop Except for Jonah preference. Post, who was... <laughs> Definitely rocking out to screamo with John. <laughs> that's why Zach is how he is. Digital. I love the idea of your mom just like singing really out of tune <laughs> and so you developed a reference rock. for dissonance. <laughs> I think that's, I think
3: that's why you like great. metal so much. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question then, Zach? So, but I could see a, a biological reason for liking consonants which is that in your ear there's this thing called the cochlea which is a looks like a wound up snail shell but if you flatten it out it basically is a bunch of little hairs and um, when you say things, uh, the, some of those hairs vibrate and some of them don't have particular frequency. And it, I actually, putting all this together, the dissonant one seems to be wanting to shake more hairs, which is like more energy, more that brain. That is exactly a theory that yeah. they have and that's probably
2: why it, we can tell them apart. Yeah, because, uh, sorry for stealing it. No, no, that's, that's awesome that you just like came out with it separately, <laughs> that's super cool. Um, I don't
3: I don't have any notes. So I any yeah.
0: Notes. <laughs> Which is all the more impressive. Right? Yeah. I know
2: the nerves in your ear basically pulse in time with the peaks and valleys of the vibrations from all these sounds. And so if you have a bunch of like a really jagged looking sound wave, it's like a, a dissonant one, your ear goes ah, and if it's nice, then it's kind of like, oh yeah. It's ah. actually not
0: remember it's not pulsing in time. They just vibrate. Yeah. Different ones vibrate for different frequencies So because right, your saying inner is that, ear works super unintuitive. Well, yeah, but they so basically, it's a more time with the... complicated signal that your brain is well, yeah, interpreting? It's yes, so, it's a more complicated So for signal. a dissonant sound, your brain goes, oh, that's weird, that's more complicated, that takes me a while, to figure out. It's well, just, You right. can imagine it would be something like why you. it's not particularly enjoyable to look at, like, noise, like randomly generated white and black dots. But it's kind of nice to look at like a gradient from white to black. It's a much, much, yeah, much simpler image. Yeah, that's fair,
3: actually. And it's a frequency. Actually, both of those have frequency. Yes, exactly. So, right. so. so basically,
0: right. our brains like to pull apart the easy stuff, and if it's too complicated, we're like, uh,
3: uh, You like a little bit of a challenge, but not yeah. too much.
0: Yeah. And so that's hilarious. Actually. Also, this thing I found. So, that, like, uh, plain white is worse than, right, than uh, a gradient. A gradient, but sure. But at some point, the frequency becomes so complicated that you hate it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Okay. There's also something I found that was basically talking about how uh, the screams of young mammals, like their shrieks when they're being mm. attacked or anything, <clears throat> are extremely dissonant, because you're basically just blowing air out of your throat totally randomly. And so well, that's a really that should be an unpleasant sound.
0: Yeah, and that also, we talked about this in our human bonding classes that this is actually probably selected for evolutionarily. Right. Because... It's awful to hear babies crying. Like it's literally like you hear baby crying, you're just like, oh, make it stop, please. And it's like, well, yeah, if you didn't make your baby stop crying, it would probably die and you would not have passed on your genes effectively. <laughs> it's so... kind of funny. Literally evolution had to be like, hey, mother your child. Yep. <laughs> also remember that evolution is not goal oriented, so we're very much anthropomorphizing. Yes.
2: Evolution is my mom. Um
1: <laughs>
0: What?! (laughs) Alright, anyway. I'm having trouble finding a way to disagree with you, (laughs) but I really want to. Okay. What was the original question? <laughs> so we're talking about consonants and dissonance. We're talking about why we like consonants, why we dislike dissonance. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, why it was we,
2: the minor major. Yeah, why the minor major, major, chords major, more dissonant, make us happy. Short, more irritating, and why, maybe.
0: Right. And so, yeah, and the important thing to note is that it's not just sad. Um, it's, it's a whole range of emotions of discomfort that would be expressed through dissonance. Um, Zach's music uses lots of minor scales as well. Oh yeah, and they're not trying to express sadness, but usually rage. Yep. <laughs> um, so, hence all their names being rage, like Rage Against the Machine and Rage Fist. And so, rage, death Against rage Against the Machine
2: is not and not, Rage no. Fist. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's more like and, you know, Megadeth. Uh, five finger death punch. <laughs> death is a common death, is... uh, death angel. I have yep. some stuff
0: on lyrics and later, and they just like death is just so hilariously common in the past two decades, and prior to that was not mentioned in the titles. Oh, of there's songs also really. one of the
2: original metal bands is called Death.
3: Oh, that's it. <laughs> Straight yep. Death. And then there's death grips too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a bajillion. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay.
2: Should we listen to Spirit Crusher by Death?
0: Or how about Scavenger of Human Sorrow? We'll play it for like four seconds. We're not going to listen to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, that would be scary, I feel like. It's awesome. We have to walk home in the dark after this, Zach. It. I really should don't we... Okay. Okay. So I think probably the next thing we should talk about is actually. So we did explain why. We did explain why the minor major thing. Oh, manners, yes. Minors have more. And we got so So we just sort of like. Right. And I didn't get to finish scales, which is yes. amusing and important. So I talked about Western music scales, and we played a couple for you. Um, there's also lots of scales used by other components of the world that don't use what scales the, the scales that we use, you know, in Western music. Um, so, for example, <clears throat> sorry. Um, so what we the, the the smallest interval between notes in uh, Western music is called a semitone. So that's a semitone. It's a little bit, doesn't it? Um, so that's uh that's you can't play any now on a guitar you sort of can because you can bend the string. So actually I Oh have, that was so cool. So actually I have a little bit of continuous I hope that worked out really well. I think it did. Uh I, I, I have a little bit of, of continuous pitch change there. Sure. Um, Rather than two isolated pitches. Right. But it's 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 pretty, It's you, you have to pull the string pretty far to get up to the next semitone, so most of the time you just use it for a little bit of emphasis on the note that you're playing. Um, although in rock, they do like to go up a semitone. Oh, two, yes. Which is nice just for the sliding effect of... Which you can also do as... Oh, that was so right. cool! Now, the one thing you would note, though, is you would never want to play like... I've done that a number of times, trying to get my bends right. If you start with the note already bent, you're no longer playing one of the semitones that's relative to the other notes that you're playing, Um, and it sounds really bad to us. We are really, really, really well-tuned for chromatic music, music that uses the 12 semitones that Western music uses. And that's cultural. That is definitely cultural. 100%. And the way we know is because lots of music outside of Western, you know, civilization... Other people have music? ...uses quarter tones. Ooh. And sometimes even microtones, um, which are just things smaller than quarter tones. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, Arabic music uses quarter tones in their scales. Um, is there a way we could hear what that sounds like? Can you can you do that? It, I basically time? just played it. The, the like... Like oh, the like weird.
3: just if you push it up. The best example half of the way I think yeah. is sitars. Yeah, I was gonna say music. exactly and and when Western and you know, uh, non Western music collide in like the Beatles or whatever, that's yep. that's your go to pretty awesome. I was
0: actually gonna exactly bring up the um the two thousand one or two thousand two concert for George Harrison yep. right after he yep. died that was um uh basically the first half of it was Indian music. It was like Really cool, but like very different from like what the other half of the show played, which just like a bunch of you know rockers right. playing Western style music. Yeah. So it was like really interesting to hear like the differences between yeah. them. But it's like, it's not what like you know we yeah. listen to in the Western world. Right. It's interesting it too because um, there, there are other so we mentioned steel drums, um, before. So there there are oh, some instruments. The there are some there so are cool. some instruments that do not resonate the way a string resonates. Um, and they don't create the same harmonic structure. They don't even create because of the shape of them. They don't even create harmonics in integer multiples of the fundamental frequency. And that's how you get, uh, so Arabic music in particular, that's how you get, uh, music that where the scales don't, they're not, uh, quote unquote, evenly spaced the way our 12 semitones are in our chromatic scale. Uh So, in fact, not only would you be using smaller than a semitone, the distance between two notes in a scale wouldn't be a semitone or a whole tone. It would be, be, you know, like one and a quarter or like a third of a tone. And they vary. They're not consistent from note to note. So can we just
2: make up any scale and play it to people for a
0: while and they'll be like, yeah, this is good shit. In theory, yeah. You just eventually because the the idea is they're so heavily varied, and the only consistency is they're usually trying to mimic things that already exist, right so like in like when you strike something, you get a harmonic series almost uh-huh. always if it has any resonance, and so that's why our scale mimics the harmonic series in those areas they started with like steel drums and other things that didn't create the same harmonic series of integer multiples, and so when they created stringed instruments to mimic those, they were mimicking a different harmonic series. Which is very weird and interesting. That is super weird. So, yeah, so, okay, so we can, I think we're good with scales. Are you good with scales? I'm good with scales. I think that makes sense to me. Yeah, this this all pretty much makes sense. Basically, the big difference between Western music and Eastern music is, um... We set our intervals regularly. So that's, specifically, that's specifically the difference music, between okay. Western music and, like, Indonesian music. Okay. Uh, and the difference between Western music and Eastern music is usually the use of quarter tones. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Gnarly, bro. Oh. Beautiful. Um, so I think the next thing we should talk about is actually something that Dave should talk about, because it does fall under his purview as an evolutionary biologist. Yee! What am I doing? that is some interesting... Theories. I hesitate to call them on how music could develop evolutionarily. Um, Just to note, most of these are what are called just-so theories in evolutionary biology. Um, Thanks. I learned about that like two days ago. Um, And basically a just-so theory is we know a mechanism or a a behavior and we find a perfect fit along the length of our, uh, you know, like evolutionary history and it fits just so right there that's the reason that we have this behavior now yes so it's it's very much a um oh you know it's sort of a, a thinking of like well you know we have this theory and it sort of makes sense and also look here's some evidence for it i'm going to ignore everything else <laughs> that's all i mean that's so all i mean it's like yeah, one right? of
2: those oh we can only count to 7 cuz if there's more than 7 predators it's too many predators that is exact yes
0: exactly <laughs> yeah. that it's right. funny but like you know, it's more likely more complicated than that. Yes.
2: So. And by only count to seven, I mean, like, sight count. Also, it's not seven. It's four. Yeah, it's four at sight count. Seven is, like, how many numbers you can memorize easily in one shot. Right.
0: Yes. So, anyway. As an evolutionary biologist, one of my biggest pet peeves is the entire field of evolutionary psychology, <laughs> which basically... Um, has theories for why we think certain things based on some half-assed selective pressures that may or may not have even existed. Mm. So Fun. it turns into sort of like, oh, I know about evolution. This is why we think boobs are are, are like hot or attractive. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's maybe true, and there's some evidence for that. But like. I don't, that might not necessarily be the thing. But also, like, there's there's just as much, if not more, evidence for, you know, it's a societal thing or it's a cultural thing or a million other things and it's not enough to decide that it was, in fact, evolutionarily, especially not entirely. So, I'm going to specifically focus on this random ass article I found from PBS. that talks about... It's basically seven different theories. Oh, there were oh, seven God, there? Really, Damn, I was not paying really, attention really last hate night. You people use the word theory. On <laughs> <laughs> um, um, why we evolved to love They're music. They're, They're not, hypotheses. They're yeah. hypotheses. That is exactly correct. It's basically a guess of saying, okay... Why do we like music? Because it's a complicated question, right? right? To figure out like why we would, why do we enjoy listening to music? Also, why why is is I want to know. It's a pretty, yeah. and it's also sort of a Western-centric theory, question as well. There are cultures that do not pay nearly as much attention to music as we do, and some of those cultures cultures are us fifty years ago, um, and so, so you know, it's it's like it's an interesting thing, um, but it's it's hard being you know scientists in. Western civilization studying stuff like this because it varies very, very dramatically across cultures. Yeah. So, part of basically, I don't need to do all seven, but like basically, the the main idea is that they have these sort of ideas about, oh, well, evolution and selection works like this. So, obviously, this is why we evolved to like music. And it's like, so the one example they give that is like pretty good, but still kind of iffy, is talking about how. Um, I'll just read, but it's pretty short. What they wrote was, Have you ever noticed that when you walk with someone, you synchronize your footsteps with theirs? The subconscious need to walk in rhythm served an evolutionary function for our ancestors. Citation needed. (laughs) When humans walk, we make noise. Citation needed. For early humans, (laughs) that was a problem. The sound of footsteps could potentially mask the sound of a predatory animal or other sounds signaling danger. Our ancestors may have learned to synchronize their steps in order to create predictable sounds as a group, improving their ability to recognize external rhythms. Some scientists hold that this may have laid the groundwork for our ability to, quote, feel the beat in music. Sure. So, maybe. There, I did find a paper that talked it was like a very like a really extensive paper about how they measured how we can subconsciously sync up to other people's footsteps. Super interesting that we do that. Sure. Why do we do that? I don't know. They're claiming that it's to uh so we don't disrupt so we can hear the the environment yeah, so the, better. The idea is that but that's if, there's no yeah. I, I need some evidence of that. That's a big claim to make that sure. we like stayed in sync so we could hear predators. Sure. Like there there's no real mechanism for that. Also, the bigger thing is that they say, okay, well that's why we like to feel the beat. Well n- okay, n- not necessarily. That's so the problem the with these hypotheses. So, the point that the brought up... Yeah, the point that so brought up is that, that's um, So, thing they're, they're that's so that was or there is and i think you could probably make a pretty good argument that there is some evolutionary reason that we are so good at syncing up with beats with rhythms and to keep uh, to be able to hear the environment better is a pretty good hypothesis so here's the problem with that hypothesis if i play a metronome at 120 beats per minute nobody in this room will be happy i don't know it really gets my blood flowing (laughs) It's perfectly rhythmic. Perfectly. It's exactly the same thing that you would be very, very good at syncing your steps up to. Yes. But it's not the part of music that you like. Exactly, the problem with these hypotheses is that they give an example of how we, even if they are true, it's a way that we would have figured out rhythm, but it doesn't give us any sort of, that doesn't prove anything about why we like the complex music that we listen to now. Yes. It doesn't say anything about that, and there's no evolutionary mechanism that they even suggest on how we go from, oh, well, we like keeping step, to, oh, well, we like listening to Five Finger Death Punch. Well, how do we go (laughs) from that to that? There's no (laughs) selective pressure to do that. Definitely. So, um, speaking of rhythm, and some of the more uh, more high-level um, stuff about music, I think we'll transition a little bit into, um, uh, so we've been talking about very, very, very low-level aspects of music, basically sound production. We got to scales, which is a little bit there, but for the most part, just listening to a scale over and over again won't quite do it for most people, um, although I think you might be surprised how much of music is just people playing scales. It's... Quite funny. <laughs> um so uh so let's talk about we've been making fun of Zach a little bit this episode because um he lists he listens pretty much entirely to metal.
2: Um I'm a man of simple tastes.
0: <laughs> um so well and now so then the question of course arises well what is what is metal? Right? So um and the answer is uh that's a lot. impossible <laughs> to answer. So, <laughs> So, um, so metal is a genre of music, right? Um, there are genres of all kinds of art and media. Um, a genre of music is a category that we attempt to fit different s- songs and sometimes even just melodies or rhythms into um, that allow us, and the purpose that they have is actually very important, it allows you to describe the sound of music. To somebody without using any sort of technical jargon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So I could describe progressive music as having longer than normal song running times, alternate time signatures, keys and tempos, and embracing elements of styles other than their dominant style. But to a lot of people that wouldn't mean anything. <laughs> but I could describe progressive rock describe that one. progressive rock as rush, and people would be like, Oh, oh yeah, okay. Well, I know rush. So I can understand what progressive rock is, and then you can just say, well, we play progressive rock, and they know sort of what you're going to sound like. It allows you to set the expectation for what kind of music people are going to be listening to without having to go into any of the boring So details. despite it being sort of an arbitrary categorization, it's useful categorization, sure. nonetheless. And what's amusing about it is sometimes how arbitrary it can be. <laughs> so we talked about progressive music. I just mentioned progressive music. Progressive music is... As far as music genres go, even though it's really it's a uh, it's a subgenre of many other genres. So there's progressive rock, progressive jazz, progressive metal, progressive Always. pretty much everything. Dream sure, Theater. Progressive bluegrass is one of my favorite genres right now. Um, that it's. French Brothers the least all the way. Surprising thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so, uh, Sweet wooden bow tie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you bought me the wooden bolt. But no, bow tie. No, I bought oh, you the wooden you bow tie. Don't you ever forget that he bought it. I had nothing to
2: do with that. It's really cool. Um, I don't want to get any credit for that. <laughs>
0: um, so, so, anyway, uh, so progressive is vaguely well defined uh, as far as basically what I just said. Um, there are some other genres that are more poorly defined or uh maybe defined by things that you wouldn't expect a good example is the difference between black metal doom metal and viking metal these are not real categories. <laughs> these are entirely They're real. absolutely real so, categories um what what so is the difference i don't know if zach can this? tell the difference between black metal and doom metal so in my oh my god he really knows it this
2: is amazing. no i i wouldn't say i do my perception of it. Uh, in terms of, like, black metal is a lot of sharp, like, screaming vocals. And And then, Mm -hmm. doom metal is more of a a droning, like, not groan, but like a...
0: Okay, so lower growly kind of vocals. so what's interesting in that is that what this is basically saying is that in the genre of metal, songs tend to be so consistent that you can differentiate artists by something like the like the timbre of their voice, right? Okay. Whereas in something like the genre of singer songwriter music, yeah, that's going to be wildly all over the exactly. place. Exactly. Um, now I I mentioned one that I that I didn't ask yeah, Zach to I was differentiate. Gonna, what? So the uh, the third. Uh, subgenre of metal in there was Viking metal. <laughs> Viking metal sounds identical to doom metal. The difference is that they dress like Vikings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and probably
0: and probably sing about Viking stuff. No. 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 In fact, of a singing Isn't about there a Viking. Lot of, like, metal songs about like Norse mythology. Yes, I is. listen to Tyr T Y R. A lot of Norse. They stuff tend to be black metal and doom metal bands. Viking metal bands may sing about Vikings. But that is not actually a distinguishing factor. <laughs> they have to be dressed like Vikings. That is incredible. I think Viking jazz would be more impressive. So that I think that'd be a weirder genre. There, there is some like, uh, like progressive jazz metalcore that nice. exists. Jesus Christ. Um, so Yo,
2: metalcore blows <laughs>
0: um so yeah also just adding the word core to the end of genres yeah what is that i've heard that before is, like what what is does core i don't mean? know uh, it's emo and lamer <laughs> um so but yeah so um so, yeah so there's there's also there are other kinds of separations right so you would you would separate um you would separate blues from jazz mostly by the sonic qualities of what you're listening to the instruments being used the topics that they're sing about and the song structure okay probably the biggest one there would be song structure yeah. especially if you're talking about like delta blues yeah. which is a very very rigid specific song structure and then jazz which is all over the place it's literally supposed to be all over the known place for being it's the opposite, opposite of song it's, structure it's, <laughs> and so so but there are also we talked about you know visual appearances can make a difference there's also, for example, Christian music, where the only difference is the ideological content of the song. Demon Hunter. Big fan of theirs. <laughs> um, there's Reliant K, which is Christian punk. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, because Christian music is a topic that covers Demon Core, which is, I'm assuming, a Christian metal band. And also Demon Hunter. Demon, Demon Hunter. Hunter, Because, okay. you know,
2: they're holy uh, warriors that makes for sense gods, yes probably. of course yeah, <laughs> so
0: that, that topic includes a metal band it includes those cheesy like Christian rock groups and it includes gospel which right. in terms mm-hmm. of style those three are all very very different Pretty but they're all grouped different. under Christian music yes. because of the
3: content
0: rather yes. than the actual style so this is I so I I've, I've spent most of my yeah, academic this career. This is
3: definitely studying Doug's studying. moment. So I, I, I don't know much about metal, but what I will say is, if you if you Google like images of um, genre, you know classifications or taxonomies, um, metalheads tend to do the most impressive visualization. So, uh, so if like, <laughs> yeah. you've seen School of Rock with Jack Black, he like has a whole chalkboard full of you know the relationships between genres and their semantic relationships. So like christian you're right there are subgenres of christian and what ties christian music is the topic of the the the, the lyrics but the metal man you can see if you just were to like go to google image search and just look there's actually or, there's a
0: really like, awesome visualization of genres by the echo nest yeah if you go to echo nest and look up um and lo- just look up echo nest genre map yeah there's a
3: really cool and metal takes up about half of the map yeah because it's so because it's so well defined exactly because of these subtle changes <laughs> in the, so. Zach is no. looking the periodic table of metal
0: it has categories
2: such as alkali metal alkaline trash metal it probably should be thrash <laughs>
0: alkaline um, jesus Transition Christ.
2: metal semi-metal <laughs> not metal also known as new metal because that's the real name of the genre i think mean, people <laughs> would take a
3: shit on that park uh yeah so, so the other story is so you know when when um, amazon was selling you know became this the, the world's biggest music seller sure uh, they had they they really had this hierarchical structure where everything was a subgenre of everything else and it went pretty deep but that ended up not being very practical because it's much more like a graph and it's really like what we call a multi-graph which is like the christian thing which is that like there can be two songs that can be compared on a lot of different dimensions and so uh so like a lot of the work that Shane and I do in the academic space is thinking of genres not as sort of categories but as labels that are applied to to songs. So right. a a song can have many different labels depending yeah. on its content, whether it's its logo, like lyrics, whether it's the the clothing that the hair bands, you know, like <laughs> right. whatever they wear on stage. And so um, you know they could be a hair band playing you know free jazz with you know <laughs> with accordions, and you could imagine like a collection of different labels sure, like that. so we really think of genres now more as labels that can be applied to an artist if it 's a you know uh, and, and, and uh, companies like Pandora pay you know musicians to sit there in a room and hand label music with a bunch of these labels, some with, most of which are objective in terms of they're describing acoustic qualities, but other ones are yeah. sociocultural and that's then mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And there's there's some interesting stuff
0: too with um uh you know where like where do they come from, right? So so you mentioned that metal has a really structured system of genre, right? Um, I mean, there are an absurd number of sub and sub-sub and sub-sub sub, sub, sub and genres. And heads take
2: it very seriously yes, with the labeling. They
0: know. Yeah. The, the, what's crazy is that is that people who listen to metal frequently, like they, they know the different, like with the subtle nuances that define different categories. But that's not true for a lot of other areas. If you look at like hip hop, there's some hip hop heads who are super into the genre, like labeling, etc. But for the most part, there's a distinction between rap and hip-hop. There's a little bit of a subcategory with trap. And a lot of it, they're not very concerned. You're listening to hip-hop. They Mm -hmm. call it
3: hip-hop. And that's about as far as you need to go. Sure. Um, My favorite is uh, with singer-songwriters, which you brought up previously pretty much every singer-songwriter never wants to define themselves with genres because they, like, are doing something totally new. Yeah, sure. And so they, like, write up their bio, like, cannot be defined But actually, they really... They just (laughs) couldn't fit them into (laughs) one. right which is why it's important
0: to make the distinction between, like, labels and categories. Yeah. Because... You would label them as a singer songwriter because that's how they refer to themselves. But if it was actually a cata- categorical system, you could fit them into one of the subcategories. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so what's what's interesting there then is like, okay, so where do these come from? So uh, for most, for most of the musical world, it comes from uh, you know, it comes from basically critics, and editors, mm. um, and like producers. Wine casters, they just come and up. So- with- Freaking adjectives to right. describe it exactly. How um, for something like metal, although I feel like this, it's not like they're not pretending it's objective. No, they they no, are. No, they are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, but so, I just so, really, really hate the entire world of wine tasting. The more I learn about it, <laughs> but so for for metal, I would have to assume it's more the bands themselves. Because and and it's not as hard because they're so well defined. Yeah.
2: At for early on, it was yes. definitely other people sure. were like this and that. But then as it's evolved, it almost certainly is. it's been. not just part of the Bands, culture. They try to fit into a specific category. They yeah. go in with like I'm going to be Viking a new metal. metalcore and wear a Viking suit. Right. Uh, so that's that's our <laughs> shtick. That's what we're gonna do. Viking
0: new metalcore. <laughs> okay, so. As an evolutionary biologist who has worked with a lot of like taxonomy and stuff, this is really fucking interesting. It's also like, not taxonomic. Which I is, know like, super it's super important. But it's why but it's yes, really cool. It's, yes, like, it is It 100%. makes me really want to like make this look pretty, but it like I know it doesn't work as nicely as like <laughs> well, so, life does. The word is, and I
3: don't know if you're gonna go there, Shane, but the the word is folksonomy actually, so it's defined by the community, and actually, yeah, that's it, used awesome. be, it used to be defined by the experts, but now it's much more defined by uh, the the entire population right. of the, listeners. the audiences who is... do things like socially tag. Sure. Yeah, because we're all critics yeah, now, right? You can actually and so, express. And so these graphs, and... these these sort of inner these webs of stuff that show this, you know, and they're they we think of them as graphs that connect ta- uh, these these labels, these genre labels. Um, you know they uh, they they sort of emerge. They don't actually they're not put down on paper and drawn up ahead of time, but they just right. emerge from the pattern of which people which songs people listen to and how they label those songs. yeah, there's a pretty funny thing on there's an article that was written about the echo nest map
0: mm-hmm. uh, genre map, and the, basically they uh, they're like, all right, well, let's just based on just like corpuses of text describing these bands. Let's just grab the bands that are the most rock, that are referred to as rock the most frequently. And you, uh, the bands were uh, the first was Rihanna. Um, Sorry, what? <laughs> there was uh, I can't remember the entire list, but it was Rihanna, Macklemore. Um, hey, that's not I don't I don't like this. There's just there's, there wasn't a single band the closest to rock was Fall Out Boy at number ten. Yeah. That was oh god! that Zach just made was incredible. I mean, okay, I
2: don't dislike Fallout. No, it's just that the face <laughs>
0: you made that the only band that was close to rock on yeah, the top ten rock bands resist. list. Of this right? Yeah. So the the point that they made was the problem is you can't actually discover the genres of music based on documentation about that music um because genre isn't defined by some corpus of text describing the music there's no set definition for it it's all it's right population so when defined. it was instead take i forget what they they adjusted the list somehow to take into account um like uh, like the relative frequencies of use and then also some other things that were more um, like socially determined and they got a list of rock songs they I mean was, if it was you also feel, I mean, so if, if you it's...
2: go to a, a metal video and you scroll down to the comments you're going to get this is great rap blows this is great i love i mean i hate justin bieber and you so you're going to be like oh so this is associated with justin bieber and rap like, <laughs> no well, i feel like
0: yeah. i feel like um part of the problem with this is that people don't know the difference between rock and pop yeah, that is a huge issue. I mean so the thing was. Also funny anyone is that can rock. You would you would think that uh that Rihanna rocks. Yeah. Rihanna must be rock. Um, <laughs> no. You would you would think that uh that people that most like that pop would be the thing most heavily associated with popular music. Rock is the thing that is most heavily associated with all kinds of music. Um just everyone connects rock to every song ever. Okay. Um, I, the research that Doug and I do that's like the one of the biggest problems is if you start a rock station, you get everything. Yeah, you can play literally, it's always the weird like, <laughs> welcome to 105.6, the home of rock, and it's like, we found love in a whole
3: this <laughs> place, like what the fuck are you doing? Stop, please. Once, uh, and so what, what Shane was t- saying is that we you, you can squash that, right? Yes. You can say that, yes. like Rihanna is pop and hip hop and all these other things and she gets, she gets just labeled all the time by so many people in different contexts. So she is kind of the top of rock, but she's also the top of these other things, and those things actually you know, are more important. Right, so what and, you say is, instead of, instead of who is at the top of rock, you take
0: all the artists and say, what is their top thing?
1: Yeah,
2: mm, and
0: that's okay. how you oh nice that makes more sense and you so could represent them by their exactly. top exactly you represent them by their top things and then you get rock songs instead of yeah. Rihanna and that's Michael awesome Martin. gotcha because yeah. a rock band isn't going to fit in any other group whereas Rihanna will fit better in, in pop and more how people will have to that pop that's good right, right. We'll we'll this data. what if we just yeah. yep <laughs> <laughs> from <Zold. laughs> um, yeah so and then and then you know there's some other questions that we haven't really answered here <laughs> because they're um, probably don't have answers, yeah. uh, Or at least, we're, it's why just, do we like music? Yeah, we don't so, fucking know exactly. So, let, so let's do. talk no. sounds. Let's talk about why do we find cool. music. So, so Doug sent me um, this awesome paper called "Message and a Ballad," um, and and they do attempt to address the question of you know why do we like music, and the the way they attack it is um, to what extent do we identify with the music that we listen to. Right. So in th- by identify, I mean, to what extent can you predict personality traits of someone by the music that they listen to?
1: Ooh, cool. Yeah.
0: So um, what they found <laughs> was so the, f- the first thing that they found, there's actually is a two two part study. So the first component of the study was uh, that they they put people in a room and basically tried to figure out what topics they talked about the most complete strangers and the college kids college kids as per usual and, as per usual and, right the kids undergrads. who are broke and want to sign up for experience <laughs> yeah. yeah well there's actually and,
3: more to it than this but we'll
0: yeah but so basically they the thing that they found was that the after you know after some amount of time the way that people attempted to connect with each other most frequently was through communicating about music sure um, what's your favorite band is a better question than who are you voting for this election? <laughs> or what's
2: your favorite type of weather? Exactly.
0: <laughs> Zach. Um, so, so sure so that is weather was, out there. <laughs> the first component, um, the first component of the study was that. The second component was then. Okay, so now we've determined that like people are definitely attempting to connect with each other on this topic of music. What is it that they think they're getting out of these conversations? Why is that okay. the thing that people try to communicate with each other about? And basically... It seems like we have to be thinking like we ha- we're maybe learning something about yes. a person by knowing what they listen to. So basically what they found is that um, people tend to agree relatively well about the personality traits that you can uh, determine based on people's music tastes. Interesting. Uh, on, on all of them. That is. Yeah. mm. So now here's the thing. That they tend to agree on what you can tell. Mm -hmm. They're not accurate on all of them. Gotcha. So some personality traits are pretty determinable based on based pretty intuitively on the music that you listen to. Like people intuit how you know how you are as a human being based on the music that you listen to, and they're decently accurate. Um, only in some things, right? So an example of one thing that they are pretty good at determining is uh-huh. extroversion.
3: Interesting. So based
0: on music, based on the music that you listen to, people are really good at determining how extroverted you are. What, what was linked with extroversion like? Right. So, yeah. So then the next step of this was, okay, well, so what is it that people are using to determine that this person person is extroverted right so that you do an analysis of the tags related to a song right like descriptions of the of of the songs that they were talking about and we found that for example for extroverted um observers ratings of targets extroversion was positively related to such music a- attributes as energy enthusiasm the amount of singing hmm. and the genres country and hip-hop that's interesting so question i understand totally how you get the amount of singing Totally get why you get country and hip hop because those are just tagged by people. Mm-hmm. How do you measure energy and enthusiasm? Energy is a physical thing
3: that can be measured. I don't know how they measured enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Enthusiasm, how how uh, forthright they were about talking about the music. Mm-hmm. No, this is a very it's, it's a like it's
0: about this song. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I have to assume that they just rated them. Mm-hmm. They probably had a separate set of undergraduates. Oh, okay. They go okay. So this sound music, they how enthusiastic are yes. the Rolling Stones? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Sure. Um, And then they compare those Okay, gotcha. Um, So yeah, (laughs) so that's cool. Um, Basically, and then... So so the sort of results of this were the first study showed that music is a common topic of conversation among strangers engaged in the task of trying to... They were specifically trying to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually trying to... I don't really feel like you talk about your music tastes when you're trying to get to know someone. Yep. It's That's that because, because you're you embarrassed. To to metal. Or <laughs> metal. people are going to make fun of you, for sure.
2: Yeah, maybe.
3: Yeah. But I never don't well, ask people anything, I guess. Well, it's just a much more benign question, right? I yeah. mean, if you right. like hip-hop or you like country or you like, you know, um, you know, jazz, it really tells a lot about, you know, or you pretend to like jazz, right? Like, um, it does tell a lot about it, <laughs> yeah. uh, And uh But I, I think the other thing, too, uh, although most studies like this do in fact use cautions because they're the available right. population there's there's other studies related to this that are talk about how when you're between the ages of say 13 to 22 that's when you're redefining who you are in right. your life and you're changing your music interest you're moving away from what your parents listen to and what you sort of listen to by default and starting to sort of venture out but then by the time you're my age what age 30, did you say uh, 13 to 22 yeah <laughs> um, that makes sense yeah i got my uh, first uh, lincoln park cd at yeah, 13. Yeah. At <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was the only cd i had yeah so I, I, so I got my tribe called quest cd was the same thing uh, and but then by the time you're like in your mid-30s or even earlier you stop exploring the space of music which is very scary to someone like me so i actually live vicariously through all of my students to <laughs> make sure that i don't we, we nice Constantly keep him updated uh, yeah, like, and I really try. I really actively try. Most people don't because they just listen to their like '97 radio, uh, and <laughs> and um, and they're content with that. But I mean, really... you get enough, right? Like, so at some
0: point, you feel like you have a large enough vocabulary mm-hmm. of right. music. Yeah. And
3: you don't need it. Where yeah. you're
0: thirteen, yeah. you don't know anything. No about music, but I think but I
3: think you change you the music really. you listen to more frequently and explore yeah. different things. It's an exploration. It's a
0: bit yeah. it's an exploration and then you feel you've explored. Yeah. And you've found it and that's you're yeah. good, you're content. Yeah. And it's it is an interesting thing. I, I do feel like though, I so I had uh a really I feel like I had a really late onset of like discovering any music Same. outside of so yeah. I like I really like didn't start like tr- listening actively to music till I was fifteen or sixteen, um, and at that point, and, and I didn't hear the Beatles. I'm not in like and like I, in a way that I identified like this is the Beatles I'm listening to until I was seventeen, which is like seems preposterous for nuts. for how much I now listen to the Beatles and music from that era and just like that kind of music in general. Um, but uh, but when but I did feel like by the time I was like 18, I was like I'm pretty sure I know the music that I listened to. And my senior year, I was dating a girl who went to art school, and they you can imagine the music that was going. This is like RISD, is one of the this is one of the top art schools in the country. Is that is extremely like alternative, progressive, ridiculous, and it was and it would be played. It was so she she was into like pretty benign. It was uh, like dream pop, which is. <laughs> not it's like oh not, but that
2: sounds sugary and it's awful. um but it's yeah, so it's, but it's, it's very it's very, it's very it's very
0: it's very atmospheric saccharine's a good word too but it and I really didn't like it because it didn't it wasn't like someone playing a guitar and singing which is basically what I listened to and I find I just kind of forced myself to listen to it for the sake of like going to concerts with her and stuff and uh and literally like Had I not done that, I'm not sure I would have ever broken out of my, like, very concrete sense of, like, I like music that has, like, good lyrics and cool guitar parts, and that was as far as I got. And then because of that, I got to college, and people were talking about all sorts of bands, and I was like, well, I can listen to music that is outside the purview of just, like, good lyrics and good guitar, and so I could force myself outside of it, and I feel like Zach never... Yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck in the I
2: like things that punch you me really hard. It. Oh my god, crumbs.
0: the other day I came home from class and guess what he was listening to? What? Fucking Madonna! I come <laughs> so home from class
2: no, and weren't. let me tell you what happened. <laughs>
0: so my
2: freaking iPhone has now connected to the cloud and I can't turn it off. I turned it off, and this happened before, a year ago, and I went into my settings, was like, get the hell off my iPhone. I don't want my mother's and sister's songs on my phone. <laughs> and now I can't turn it off. Oh no. And so if I don't play this, yeah, playlist, like integrated
0: Apple Music, but, with the music library. but I forget what
2: the
3: song was, but it started playing. I was like, ah, oh, freaking. So, so I, have, I, have I, an al- enjoy I have an alternative theory for Zach's conundrum here. Yes, please. Which is that? Um, so two two things. <laughs> uh, first of all, we we naturally gravitate towards things that are familiar. Right. So we all hear Madonna in the gym and at the bar and uh, you know uh, at parties and whatever. So Madonna is familiar, just like our mother's voice is familiar. So we naturally gravitate towards them. Uh, and then relatedly, um if you there's this company uh, LastFM which record which basically uh tracks everyone's listening habits and uh and then people it's called can go and bubble. Yeah, it's called scrabbing. <coughs> it's a verb. It's called <laughs> scrobbling. Interesting. And, and if you go into people go into their histories and delete songs they don't want other people to see. Um, and if you look <laughs> why do you and, think I go on private session on yeah, Spotify right, so much? Right, I right. don't want to see right. how this is but, funny. But if you if you look at the songs that are being deleted from uh from the what we call the Guilty Pleasures list. <laughs> um, it perfectly traps, uh, tracks the top 40 uh, list. That's It's, it's <laughs> the music that yeah. people
0: are listening, listening to, to most. but don't want other people to know that they're listening it's to the most popular it's music. Ridiculous. It's just the most popular music. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean,
2: I enjoy the popular so, music. I just don't seek it out,
0: and it's not right, on my phone. Right. I 100% like on private session when I want to just jam out to Meghan Trainor yeah, or see, Taylor Swift. Yeah, and, and you know, For the, sure.
3: the best place to listen to music is in your car because it's basically a sound booth. And right. when you're by yourself in the car on like a long drive and like, you know, whatever happens, it, it happens and stays <laughs> in your car. Yeah. And
0: nobody ever knows
3: it's, it is the wiser, right? So it's really, so familiarity is a big thing. Uh, and uh, and we, we do like popular music. It's just, even though we, most people wouldn't want to admit it. So if you like Madonna. You know, I mean, I didn't. I did enjoy okay. that song. Yeah. I, I left it on. I could have
2: skipped it. And yeah. I did not. So,
3: right. I and mean, oh, I was so, only yeah. laughing because it was
0: so I mean, it's, strange. It's so I think boring. like the so came on. You're like, expected.
2: what the hell are you doing? And then yesterday, <laughs> you know, I, I was listening to Christmas trap music, which, <laughs> was, which is awesome by the Eight Tracks. <laughs> which at that point, players. I was just like,
0: okay, this is pretty dope. I'm okay with this. This is just weird, but okay.
2: so I missed, missed listening to Christmas music during Christmas. Like I, yeah. I screwed up and didn't, and so oh, I'm making up for Zach's
0: it. Zach's real big on Christmas. Smoking, oh my God, I fucking Christmas. love Christmas music so much. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I don't have the same. Um. But so. But yeah. I mean, that is the the familiarity thing is like definitely huge. I I definitely and then and and there's the um, at, there's a Cornell professor, um, Professor Krumhansel, who has a who I I had for uh. Psychology. I don't know why you're <laughs> laughing at his name. Your middle name is Beerus. Her name.
3: Her Car- name. Carol Crumhansel. Carol Crumhansel. <laughs> your and middle name is Beerus. I know. I just
2: imagine someone who just, it's like, their hands are falling apart because <laughs> there's breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Interesting.
3: Yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm gonna stay away from this because I Yeah, it's just, yeah. She, He's professional. Yeah, we're just gonna edit. edit she's wonderful. I, just, yeah, little, yeah, yeah. I, st- well, I get strong images.
2: But, you heard the one with me, that fat, slimy guy before. Thing <laughs> just popping in my head. Doesn't mean anything about anyone.
0: Anyway. But she has, she did a study. With um, uh, basically attempting to determine this, like, what is the effect of this familiarity um, on, on preference, right? And uh, so they, they, she just had a bunch of undergraduates at Cornell and uh, just played them music from all different eras, um, and then and then just plotted the music that they said that they liked. Um, and it's pretty great because uh, you get at, at the t- there's like the time period when people were. What Doug was saying, thirteen to twenty-two. There's a the large bump of music that came out during that time period, uh-huh. right? So people really are like into they're that. They really into yeah, the music the that came music, yeah. out, right? Exactly when they when they were basically the age they, they are phase. now, right? So they were undergrads at Cornell, so you know they're that age of around twenty. Um, and then there's music that came out when their parents were thirteen and twenty-two. <laughs> And in fact, now in (laughs) our generation, you're starting to see a a smaller yet bump when our grandparents Oh, my we're God. 13 That's to 22. So weird, our dude. parents listen to find out what they like when they're 13 to yes. 22. And then they play that for the rest of their lives. Right. And, and so we listen to that. Exactly. So when we're adults, we listen to what we People. explored right. and also just what our parents listened to, right. which is what they explored. That's weird. That's so, nuts. Uga, but
3: but the thing is, this is an interesting effect, and, and Shane alluded to this earlier, um, that music wasn't such a big thing 50 years ago. Right. And, and really it comes down to this notion of the recorded tradition of music and the availability. Of the right. recorded tradition yes. of music, so like, timbre, which we spent a nor- like a long time talking about, in the Nordic, um, yeah. it was <laughs> quite a while. Actually, I learned a lot now. It's been a while since I've checked in with that stuff, but um, it is, um, you know, when you there are certain chords that like start a Beatles song that are like less than a quarter of a second, less than the amount of time you'd understand beat and even harmony. It, um, so it must be mel. It must be timbre, because, right. tam- like, because we are so conditioned to hear that opening chord of that Beatles song, and, and the know- first chord in Hard Day's Night, for yeah. example. Yeah, you can. I, just- I was listening. Yeah. To. You, yeah. Just- yeah. you can just know that it's that song. And actually, there's other notions of timbre, which is like when you hear a new song by, say, Eminem, you know it's Eminem within like less than a syllable. And, right. And, and, and I was um, talking to you about this yeah. with with The Edge, with U two. My dad
0: really likes U two. And the Edge has a very distinctive, oh. and not just very distinctive, yeah. like very intentional uh-huh. timbre. He has a wall of pedals and dials that he adjusts like painfully, like very painstakingly, making sure that he gets exactly the right sound. And I swear, every single U2 song that has come out in the past like decade i hear it on the radio and as soon as the guitar comes in i know it's a u2 song because i can identify the edge in a
3: second and so that that wouldn't happen when you were looking at uh, scores uh, for like right. you know orchestra music or jazz music or you know it uh, wouldn't happen until basically everybody had the ability to listen to music in their home on a record or an a track or a cassette sure. or a cd or an ipod or whatever it was um and so it's our ability to sort of have direct access to music yeah, over see- and over again and um, and so these 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 you know tying it to uh, Professor Krumhansel's work, you know it can't go back too far because actually right. you know three three generations ago they didn't really have that technology yeah, available.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was saying it's really only just with with our generation you can see the the grandparent bump. Yeah. Cause really, with anyone Anything younger than us, that, the bump bumped yeah. in really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, but so the um, but but the other the perfect example of this was the other night. Uh, <laughs> I sat down for dinner with my mom and she has Bluetooth speakers in her kitchen, and she was like, why don't you just play something? And I played Spotify's The Sound of Mellow
3: Gold. You didn't play Meg's radio? What's wrong with you? I though? know, no, 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 I know, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, well, I did, the iPhone app was broken at the time on my phone. It was, like, it hadn't been fixed. But so uh, so I I went to Spotify and, and did the Spotify Sound of Mellow Gold, which is, like, Jackson Brown and Cat Stevens. And, and so I, I turned that on, and the, I think the first song I started playing was the Jackson Brown song maybe, and my mom was just like, like, like floored. Like, you just turned this on? It was like, I love, the Jackson Brown's one of my favorite are, like musicians of all time. And and she was like, this is what my mom used to listen to when I was a kid. And the whole, the whole we're going through the whole playlist and they're all songs that she used to listen to when she was, and I love every song in that playlist. And she was like, she's like, I can't believe you listened to this. And I was like, this is so perfect. I listened to it because you used to play it all the time. <laughs> When I was little, and when I like lived with you, and now I like it because you liked it because your mom liked it. It's like, the f- I was like, I was like yeah. this is exactly what we're talking about on the yep. show. It's
2: perfect. <laughs> cool. My dad likes Rush a lot, and I like Rush. He likes ACDC a lot, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't always work perfectly, but yeah, yeah. yeah for, that's really cool. That was, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: pretty good. So, is there anything else we... This has been a almost two hour show. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll
3: probably chop it up a little, but um, but yeah, I think I think we're pretty no, much that's, covered. That's the thing about music. In this this Renfro, um, message in a ballad, you can really yeah. talk about music. I know. I mean, forever. That's why you know it's this form of art that persists. It's
0: really it's really informationally dense. Yeah. There is there was another paper that I was reading. Uh, it was just sort of like a lit review kind of thing, so I didn't really talk about it much in here, but. He did talk about like how, um, like, poetry, uh, like non-prose writing, like verse, does no one really. It doesn't last. Narrative does last. So people remember stories that they've read, but unless there's a really particular emotional attachment, people are worse at remembering verse. But lyrics, which are verse, right? It's it's the words without the story. Uh-huh. Right? But people are really good at remembering lyrics. Right, with like mm-hmm. as soon as there's music back, and and part of the what he was getting at is there's so much information density, uh, in in song, so like you can get so much out of rhythm and tone and scale and you know like all of these things, the key like everything can give you some notion. So you get instead of you know however many dimensions there are in your interpretation of words. You literally get millions more just by putting it to song gotcha um, and and I think that 's part of why what Doug was saying you talk about it forever because there 's so many layers behind music, like you could talk about just rhythm forever, and like <laughs> and that 's just a very small component of what makes music music that's so. awesome is there a music podcast that like i'm sure there's tons Is there yeah, there's got to be
3: so many yeah. there's sure a lot about music a there's a lot about music uh you know about music uh industry like the industry in particular artists mm-hmm. that are coming out i mean yeah i mean yeah sure I, has you know every week you know basically mm-hmm. that's what djs do yeah um, yeah but um but there are some you know there's a, some really great researchers oliver Sachs did a lot with music before he passed away uh, Dan Levitin has this book called Your Brain on Music, yeah, which I have um, read, yeah, I have Renfro, who we talked about his message in a Ballad*. study, has a lot of great papers. Uh, Carol Crumhansel mm-hmm. mm-hmm. does great work. Uh, there's another professor, David Temperley, up at University of Rochester, who's amazing. Um, and I, you know, I'm a computer scientist, I'm not even a musician <laughs> uh, or music professor. Um, but there's a whole there's whole fields in academic conferences on music cognition. Um, <gasps> That's um, pretty cool. And a lot of it's scales and stuff. Um, The work I do is more like computational musicology, right? It's like trying to manage hundreds of thousands of songs and seeing how they're related and seeing how people interact with them. Um, and so that's where like you know the field is sort of headed, and that's why computer scientists can play around with this stuff. But yeah, because um, it's, it's finally just, digitized. Yeah, it's digitizing you know, it's available. Computer scientists and can actually, play with it. know, And like, it's
0: like, and it's not just that it's digitized. It's it's more that it's it's massively it, like it's available to the masses in like a huge, huge, accessible way. So like, yeah. you can gather you can watch a, people play
3: with it. Exactly. Right. Well, you yeah. Know, yeah. That's what's interesting. We, we talk about this a lot. So. Um, the you know Spotify is what we call a celestial jukebox. Right? It comes from the <laughs> heavens, right? Celestial jukebox band name? Yeah. <laughs> um, nope. And and it's a already a term. It's definitely and, already and, a thing. And, and and the idea is like it. Uh, uh, you know, you guys are digital natives of these celestial jukeboxes. But when I was in college, like the idea of having on-demand access to any song whenever I wanted is just was it, um, was science fiction. Actually, science fiction writers wrote about it. Um, <laughs> and and now it's now it's in your pocket and your phone. That's awesome. And that's uh, that's crazy. And future, and, um, but it also but it but it <laughs> but it undermines the value of music too, right? Because it's free. Right. Uh, it's it's you know available everywhere. Right. And so now what. Well, what Shane and I work on is is personalized radio. Which is sort of like the Pandora model because there's so much choice out there. There's something called the paradox of choice, which means that there's so much music we don't know what to like. People get frustrated by the choice. Yo, I have the same problem with Netflix. I'm yeah. like,
0: oh, I want to watch a movie, but which one? Yeah, right? And what you do is you end up just watching a movie you've seen three times. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, so, so so so. I don't do that.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, <so>. Well, you yeah, <laughs> know, but, but on awesome. uh, Netflix Congrats.
3: they they try to recommend yeah, movies right. to you, and they try they don't show you like the hundreds of thousands of things they have. And and so that's one fundamental difference between something like Pandora, which is you sort of, it's serendipity, it's more like the radio model versus the jukebox model. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of value in sort of having, you know, um, Intelligent playlists to help you sort of navigate. Find that. things that are new, but you would yeah. like. But also play some stuff that you already know and that's familiar, because you really want to have that balance of familiarity with exploration. And, gotcha. and that's what, which is our whole research, which, is our whole <laughs> research, <right? laughs> which I, I hope works. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Yeah, and we'll find out pretty soon. I yeah, way. we will. Um, nice. so, so that's uh, I didn't mean to come here to plug our, our stuff. That's right we're it's so but uh, but uh, but I do think there's a lot uh, you could you could. Talk about this stuff, <laughs> uh, all these dimensions that we've talked about today. Definitely more.
0: Yeah, hours. we didn't even get to some of the notes we had. I know, It's good. I think we pretty much covered. Like, I think we're good. The main stuff we wanted to talk about. Sign out. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This we have been scientifically speaking. We'll see you again next week. Our topic will be something we don't know. We don't even know yet. Say that. I don't Just know. Like cut we don't know. You don't worry. Shut up, bro. Bye, everyone. We love you. Bye. <laughs>